Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Halibut people and our world. I'm Glenn Wheeler. The first Europeans to visit our lands failed to appreciate the chief's influence over his people. The chief encouraged his community's custom of sharing everything. Sharing food with nearby communities was common practice. The chief ruled with a great heart. Despite his modesty, the chief was given respect and attention. When he spoke and gave opinions, the people listened. His wishes were followed. When feasting, the chief and elders were seated in a place of honor and fed first. From BenoitFirstNation.ca, thanks to Jason Benoit. It's been another difficult week for Chief Brendan Mitchell and the Halibut Band. Last Thursday night, the chief spoke to a meeting of hundreds of people at a forum organized by the Mi'kmaq First Nation Assembly of Newfoundland. There was both passion and pain in the room. People have been denied status in a system that appears arbitrary and unfair. Unfortunately, there were personal attacks on the chief and challenges to his integrity, which have been repeated on Facebook. Those attacks have sparked an intervention by respected elder Calvin White. Writing on Facebook, Elder White stated, Without fully understanding what chief and council have inherited, it is wrong to critique the people who are trying to correct the wrongs inflicted on our people. Creating stories from our imagination or assumptions is wrong. Calling names or attacking the people or the families of the people who signed this agreement will not get us anywhere. Elder White was part of the Halibut delegation that met in Ottawa the day after the forum to discuss the enrollment issue with the Government of Canada. But sources tell Mi'kmaq Matters that there was little progress made with the Feds, that they are dug in and not moving. So where are we? How are we going to deal with the hurt and resentment resulting from a flawed process? On the morning after the forum, I spoke with Charles Pender, the mayor of Cornerbrook and himself a member of the Halibut Band. I asked Mayor Pender for his take on the meeting, on the trauma being generated by the enrollment process, and what's at stake for the city of Cornerbrook. Uh, Mayor Pender, you were at the uh, assembly last night. What uh, feeling did you take away from the meeting? I guess uh, I can say, uh, on behalf of the participants at least, that there was uh, generally a a sense of frustration, uh, betrayal perhaps, um, anger, uh, but not, not anger at anyone in particular, but just at the process and a lot of uh, hurt. A lot of people who have self-identified as Aboriginal uh, in the past or who had a card are now seeing that for some reason they don't have enough points or something didn't get done right, uh, and they are now being excluded or uh, told to appeal the, you know, or in some cases don't have the opportunity to appeal. And there doesn't seem to have been one 
clear process for everyone that treated everyone equally. And so there's a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration, and I think a lot of deep hurt that is causing potential division amongst members, uh, some who are in, some who aren't in, some who can appeal, some who can't appeal. And, uh, you know, so it was a, a long evening of airing those concerns. And in Cornerbrook, of course, in Cornerbrook, we probably have the largest number of uh, Alco members and applicants. What is the uh, what is the general feeling? What is what feelings do people associate now with the word Halibut? Yeah, it's it's hard to put my finger on it. Uh, the people at that meeting last night came from all over the region, uh, some from uh, even central Newfoundland. And, you know, like I say, they, they really feel that the federal government, in this case Canada, if you will, is not treating uh, the Halapu fairly and the Mi'kmaq people of Newfoundland and Labrador fairly. And I think that was the biggest feeling that was there, that there's some sort of uh, betrayal and, you know, I, I heard people, and I said it myself, when the Halapu was first uh, formed and officially recognized by the federal government, there was this feeling of euphoria and this feeling of uh, achievement that, you know, for decades they had been fighting for this recognition. And they finally got it. And people who always thought of themselves as, as Aboriginal or Mi'kmaq, and even people who didn't that came to discover their ancestry and who were excited about it and enthusiastic about it and wanted to learn more about it and participate, are all of a sudden being told, well, hang on now, we're not quite sure you're Aboriginal or you're not good enough or Aboriginal enough to be registered as a non-status Indian and so on. So, you know, there's, uh, I think people are feeling deflated. There's a concern that the, the move uh, forward has been stalled or halted. Uh, until this process uh, gets resolved, and that won't be before 2018. And, you know, there's two sides, but, you know, there was really, a, a, I would say, almost a consensus that the only way to fight this is uh, through the courts, which, you know, I kind of thought maybe there's a political will here, but, you know, maybe the government of Canada feels that it's in a position, having signed these agreements, that it can't change it unless they're ordered to do so by a court. So, you know, there's a whole lot of things in the air. I know... Uh, Chief Brendan uh, Mitchell is, is meeting in Ottawa today. He's bringing examples and very strong cases of some of the discrepancies that were uh, experienced by members. And uh, some of the stories we hear are just uh, horrendous. And uh, so it's, um, let me, you know, let me ask you about that. Uh, he, uh, as he said himself, he's, he's previously brought uh, these, many of these stories to the federal government. But as he said at the meeting, the federal government is not listening. So do you think uh, the strategy hasn't worked uh, thus far? So do we have any reason to believe the federal government is going to uh, to see the light or, or are we caught uh, in this strategy that hasn't paid off yet? I, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard to tell, uh, to tell at this point. I suppose we'll know more after the meetings today. But, you know, I think the chief made a good point last night. Where's the minister? Where's Minister Bennett? How come she hasn't been to uh, Western Newfoundland, to Cornwall, to address the concerns of the people? Uh, where are her representatives if she's not available? Where's the prime minister? And, you know, if you're going to have a prime minister meeting at with, uh, you know, uh, uh, indigenous peoples across this country and, and saying that his number one priority is the indigenous peoples of this country, then where is the action that goes behind those words to see that this process gets clarified and that these issues get resolved fairly uh, for all the members of the Mi'kmaq uh, community? 
there were a hundred and more than a hundred thousand applicants, and it may be in a best case scenario that some more uh, people will be uh, will be accepted, but there'll be still many people who will not get in. And so, do you think that we can ever solve the divisions that uh, you ref- you referred to earlier? Is this uh, a uh, are we um, are we stuck with a bit of a poison chalice now? going forward uh, with the halibut? Well, I think, you know, you're going to see some people who, you know, legitimately probably do not have a claim. And there's some comments there last night about people who have no Aboriginal ancestry who applied anyway. So, you know, there's going to be some of that. But, I, I you know, I think that anybody has the ancestry, and, and we talk about how many generations you go back and bloodlines and things like that. Uh, anybody who has self-identified before a certain time and things like that, these people are being rejected, and, and that's where the concern is. Obviously, you're going to have people uh, that don't merit it, never set foot in Newfoundland, didn't know anything about Mi'kmaq uh, community or heritage or culture, and, you know, you can question some of those, <clears throat> obviously. But, you know, if there's 60,000, there's 60,000. If there's 95,000, there's 95,000. How can any federal government or any legislation tell you that you are not who you are as a descendant of your forefathers? And uh, I guess that's the crux of the issue. So what is uh, what makes a person a Mi'kmaq? Is it not his ancestry and the people who went before him and their rights that are being passed on to you? And if we can resolve that and get a clear uh, ruling, whether it's through negotiation with the federal government or through the court systems, at some point, Canada has to step up to the plate and recognize these people. As we as we mentioned, Cornerbrook, uh proper as a lot of Halibut member and applicants. Since the uh, the ban was established in, in twenty eleven, what uh, what difference has it made to Cornerbrook? I think the biggest thing you see is that um, a lot of people have been able to take advantage of both the uh, medical benefits, uh, which, you know, we have a lot of people with you know, various diseases, some of them are maybe uh, genetic or whatever, but, you know, things like diabetes and things, people who need constant care, especially with an aging population, who can now, uh, with the assistance of the Halapu, afford this care. We see uh, a lot of uh, people, young people in particular, but, you know, middle-aged people as well, who have been able to take advantage of the education fund to further their education and perhaps have an opportunity to attend post-secondary uh, education, an opportunity that otherwise they may not have had. Uh, we see entrepreneurs who perhaps in the past may not have had an opportunity uh, or the ability or the funds to start a business. We're seeing those businesses be created, those opportunities uh, being put there for entrepreneurs to create a business and create wealth in this community. So we've seen the direct economic impact. Uh, on one side, whether it be to each one of these funds that are out there to to assist the Halapu members, but we've also seen a cultural revival, I guess, and, you know, the, the learnings that we see, the uh, participation of the Halapu in our schools, in our post-secondary institutions, at all of our community events, whether it's even our winter carnival, and sharing the culture and and things that we as, you know, whether you're Mi'kmaq or not, Newfoundlanders uh, have always participated in and bring it to a different level and a different understanding of oneself and one's culture and one's past and one's identity. And I think those are tremendous uh, attributes that the Halapu and the creation of the man have brought to not only Cornerbrook, but to all of those communities who are, uh, you know, Mi'kmaq communities. 
you know, I guess from the cultural aspect, I mean, uh, there's been nothing in terms of changing, adding to the cultural fabric of, of Quarterbrook. There hasn't been anything maybe since the establishment of Guelph College 40 years ago that's been as significant culturally for, for Quarterbrook. It's been a major deal uh, culturally. Yeah, and, you know, working, and, and I chaired the Cultural Foundation, so there's a lot of learning for me as well, but just to see the opportunities and the willingness of uh, the elders and, and members of the Mi'kmaq to uh, share their culture, to share the traditional ways and the teachings with other people, uh, to educate not only Mi'kmaq but the broader community, and I, and I think there's been really a very strong acceptance of the Mi'kmaq community in Cornerbrook and, and in the region, uh, which I think is tremendously positive. We, we are and tend to be a very inclusive uh, community, and this adds to this understanding and feeling of inclusiveness, which I think bodes well for all, you know, people of all different race and, and uh, backgrounds for our community. And, you know, eventually we would hope that when this gets cleared up, that we will see perhaps an urban reserve in Cornerbrook. We will see a cultural center in Cornerbrook. So those types of things that I, I fear right now are on hold, or at least in a high, on hiatus, until these issues get resolved and we get a final determination of just how big is this band, and then the band can then decide what it wants to do as a membership to, you know, uh, promote both the Hapu as a people, as a culture, as, as an economic entity in this area. Now let me let me ask you a bit about the urban reserve because I understand council, Cornerbrook uh, City Council met with uh, the Halibut Band perhaps last fall sometime to talk about an urban reserve. Uh, they had retained a consultant and um, and things there was some there was some movement on the urban reserve file, but I understand that nothing has happened uh, since then. I guess everything now with the Halibut Band is focused on enrollment and and there's no other business. Yes, and, and that's unfortunate because, you know, whether the city actually, you know, we, we went down that road or not, we were, you know, like I said, willing to sit down and open to discussing the possibilities, uh, fully realizing that we don't have a very good understanding as a city and community of what an urban reserve would entail. So part of our discussions was to uh, assign people inside the city of Cornerbrook to meet with uh, representatives of the Halapu and uh, a consultant to lay out a, a roadmap to sort of say, okay, what is it we need to do? How do we prepare this? How do we understand this? How do we communicate with the broader community, both the business community and, and individuals, what exactly this urban reserve would be, could be, might be for the city of Cornerbrook? What are the economic benefits? What are the potential uh, hurdles that we have to overcome? And at the end of the day, allow a city council and a community to decide whether or not we wish to move down this road. And currently, at, at this point in time, there's been no commitments on either side other than to sit down and say, you know what, this is an interesting concept. We've heard about it elsewhere. We'd like to know more, and potentially we'd like to see it established here in Cornerbrook. And so would you uh, would you have expected there would have been some follow-up since those meetings uh, last fall? Um, yeah. Yes, I mean, you know, the, the consultant was given a task. I know there was uh, uh, some requests for funding from the federal government to assist and so on. So, again, where are those things, I don't know. Uh, I haven't had an opportunity to discuss it with anyone at Halapu because of this uh, recurrent theme every day about enrollment, enrollment, enrollment. And right now, I think, and rightfully so, the band leadership, the uh, you know, the the staff at the Halapu 
really is focused and must be focused on resolving these issues currently before they can move forward. Mayor Pender, thank you very much. My pleasure. Great talking with you. Charles Pender, Halibu member and mayor of the city of Cornerbrook. Enrollment information meetings continue across Newfoundland into March. For those in the Toronto area, there is an information and support session on Thursday, March 2nd from 4.30 to 7.30 p.m. at Native Child and Family Services, 30 College Street in downtown Toronto. And that's it for the show. Thanks to Allison Baker for assistance here in the studio. Thanks also to Halibut artist Marcus Dawes for permission to use Celebration Time. Follow us on Twitter at Matters. That's M-I-Q-N-A-Q Matters. Check us out online, mi'kmaq-matters.blogspot.ca. Listen on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes. This is Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.